Come on in, guys. Matt Hammond and Jared Sundin back for another episode of Talking Llama. A couple things to note off the top before we get into our seasons for this week. Uh, first, this will be our last week of two seasons per episode. Um, so we'll have our seat number eight and seven seasons tonight. And then through the rest of the top six, we'll just do one season per episode. Make sure we get the give the proper coverage and time on, on the the best of the best as we, as we get to the top. So just something to note schedule wise. And then uh, with summer coming up, there might be a week or two where we get to miss a week um, just with some vacation plans. Maybe, maybe won't be in a position to get everything published that we need to. So just something to keep in mind. We'll keep all those updated on the socials and each episode beforehand. Again, just one other thing to note. And then Jared, before we get into our number eight season, some survivor news um, for all all versions, U.S., Aussie and South Africa will go least to most important um, U.S. survivor officially announced today, along with revealing their logo for the season. It is just Survivor 41, as was speculated up to this point. Now it's official. Not much news there to report. Other than that, the reports were correct. It's now officially just Survivor 41. And we already gave our thoughts on that. Unless you have anything new in the, nope. about in the last couple of weeks. Didn't think nope. so. Good news. The next season of Australian Survivor um, does not have a release date yet, but they did just release their first trailer promo for their upcoming season. Survivor Brains versus Brawn. Guess they don't need beauty or there's all also beautiful anyway. That is just implied. Just the two tribes, Brain versus Brawn. And it is an intense intense trailer i loved it it's up on our instagram and twitter pages uh, if you want to take a look at that but cannot wait for that filmed locally in the australian outback which is nothing new to you longtime u.s fans it was the first time that the aussie version has filmed locally as is survivor south africa their first locally filmed season as well the wild coast that their epi- first episode premiered when you listen to this a week ago so episode two might be out by, by the time you're hearing this. Um, a phenomenal first episode. Absolutely amazing. Partially just because it's new Survivor. First time in over a year that you can say that. So there's some of that excitement that you just can't, can't help but have. But another dynamite cast, as we've come to expect from the South African production team. Just incredible stuff. They're not playing particularly well up and down but it makes it makes for some amazing amazing moments jared the maybe the one of the funniest things i've ever seen in survivor happen they're without giving away too much they're trying to work the vote and they're trying to one of the guys is trying to switch it to a different target i'm i'm that guy and the person who i want to vote out is standing right in front of me and he's just literally pointing to that guy's head to the to the third person in the group just basically mouthing like we're gonna vote him out just pointing <laughs> to him it's 
it's incredible. I've never seen anything like that. That's uh, the kind of people we deal with in South Africa. They play the game different. I love it. It's beautiful chaos. I've said it before. That's what it is. It's shaping up even one episode in to be just an amazing season. Uh, the immunity Island twist didn't work great. They didn't explain it very well in the first episode um, to the point where I actually got a couple details wrong in my, in my recap. Um, but that's all straightened out. I'll correct that in the next episode two recap, but that was more on an edit edit standpoint. Um, I think it'll work out fine. Once you kind of get the, get the feel for um how that actually works, but but all in all, a phenomenal premiere. Once again, if you have not watched any of the international versions and you want to, DM me on Twitter at Matt Hambage. I'd be more than happy to to get you hooked up with that. That'll be all for this week for that. So, Jared, unless you got anything to add on the international stuff, our number eight season. I I think I might have to cave and after we record this go start watching survivor south africa you you would you won't be at least not yet you won't be spoiled on on the previous two seasons if you watch this one but if you want i would recommend watching order but i don't think it would hurt if you want to watch a live season just to start starting it at this current season season oh you know me i gotta watch it in order fair enough can't blame you there all right season eight or our eighth ranked season Season 33, 2016's Millennials versus Gen X. One, of course, by Adam Klein. My 10th ranked season, Jared's 8th ranked season. And, of course, this, this features the late, great Sunday Berquist, um, who passed away sadly recently, which we talked about briefly on a recent episode. But just, you know, you can't talk about this season now without talking about her and just, just what an awesome awesome person she was you know she kind of got shadowed in the edit a little bit um didn't have big moments although on the rewatch she was a little more present than i remembered her being uh yeah i'm this is one of the seasons that i've only seen one time this is actually the last season on our list that i've only seen one time um and i'm looking forward to going back and uh and watching millennials gen x again uh with her being one of the reasons, not just because she's from Minnesota, like we both are, but yep. um, also because uh, one of my friends, she was, a, I think, like a church leader for one of my friends, um, which I did not know until about two weeks ago. <laughs> there you go. Anything to watch, watch this season again is never, isn't really, really no bad reason to go back to this one. We, I know we both, obviously both of our top tens, very, very fun season, but like, um, for this upcoming season, how it's just season 41, no theme. This is one of the examples where the theme, at least we'll see what you think for me, didn't really work very well. And and we talked about the theme before just kind of being a mechanism to split the tribes up initially. And then, you know, if it goes deeper into the season, great. If it doesn't, it's just kind of a way to get the game started, but there's some, really awkward forced moments, particularly from Probst on, you know, what's, what does it mean to, to, to be a, be a Gen Xer or what's the work ethic like for millennials or the super dumb texting conversation at tribal council, which let's just talk about that real quick. Do I, I think we're both millennials that we fall in. I think so. Do you know anybody who texts the letter U or the letter R instead of doing the full word? No. 
Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That that annoyed me then. It annoyed me now. The only people who are ever see do it are are actually Gen Xers. Yeah. People. Yeah, older I was just gonna say that. Who think it's like the the hip or the efficient way to do it? You look like an idiot yeah. when you do it. Probst identifying himself uh, and his generation as uh, well. He might even be a little older than Gen X, but whatever. Um, but yeah, yeah, that that one that one just kind of stuck in my craw a little bit because no, I I don't see anybody do that. But not that well, we need to. You don't have enough friends then, Matt. I guess not. I I guess I need to expand my horizon so I can get the the proper texting texting etiquette there. Um, but I mean, overall, I think we'll get into more here, but this is just a super fun season. Yeah. Um, like, when I don't you really know said, what, how else to say it? No, I like the word that I keep, um, referencing in my notes was, uh, just like gameplay. There was, there's just so many people playing and, and it was an unpredictable season as far as like who would go home episode to episode and for me i like that um i don't like you know going into the merge and knowing the next five people to get voted out i i like when people are really trying hard to keep themselves around uh working hard to position themselves for like a final tribal and that's the main thing that i remember about this episode was just how hard everyone was playing so um and and just to go back to what you said about like the theme not working super well. I, again, I've only seen this one time, but I don't remember like the rivalry, like the, the millennials versus Gen X rivalry really like, uh, shining through as they hoped it would. Um, but like, I guess then again, you're not going to get a fig tails on the Gen X tribe. <laughs> so I, I would think not. Yeah. I, that's, that's all I'm really going to say about the theme. Yeah. They, they, they have a few moments early on how the Gen X tribe is, they kind of get right to work building the camp, you know, getting the shelter set up and the millennials are more just, and they go out and like play in the, in the ocean when there's clearly a storm coming and they're laughing off, not having a shelter. And so there are some things that kind of play into it. But like a lot of the themes, as it goes on, there's not really too many moments that really fit into that. And then then you you get, I feel like when, when people get a confessional where they say, you know, I need to prove that millennials do this or aren't this, that they're angling for the, the TV time. That they could say the same thing, like I, I need to prove that I can work hard, not I need to change the viewpoint of millennials for America, but they know if they can talk about the theme, it enhances the chances that that specific confessional will get aired. That that's I have nothing to back that up on one way or the other. That's just the the assumption I'm making. And yeah. I think it makes sense if you're going on Survivor. Part of it for a lot of people is you want to maximize your your airtime you want to get the most out of it that you can and talking about one of production's ideas and fitting into your own narrative is going to help with that yeah just like i'm uh, talking about applebee's being your favorite sit-down restaurant it's <laughs> it can't hurt no no it cannot no sir um 
I really like the the opening challenge because they just kind of say, here's the challenge, go. There's no time to really strategize on anything. And granted, they're, they're, there's not really competing. They're more just like gathering things. But but the thing is, he explains that there are some different choices to make, but that but still gives them no time to discuss what to do. He kind of lets the instincts take over. And, and I really like that because it's not of huge consequence one way or the other in the game. It does have an effect, obviously, but it's not going to make or break your survival or your nourishment necess- necessarily. But anything that can cause some controversy because there's no time to discuss it, whoever gets to station A or B first is going to make a call. And they might be the only one who wants to make that, make that one decision. But if they're there first, you know what's going to stop them if they didn't discuss it beforehand. Yeah, I'm uh, not going to... I like it when it's not necessarily going to be a game ruiner in the first episode, but um, a lot of the time it's, it's tough to get to know everyone all at once and you're just kind of trying to process what's going on. And so if you can introduce at least a little strategy and, and a little maneuvering and conflict in the first episode, that's a, that's a good way to hook people. Yep. Yep. Definitely. And of course in that it's when Jessica finds the legacy advantage, which is introduced here for the first time. So that, of course, is um, although in this case, it's a little different than than when other players have had it. But you have to make it to day 36. What do you think about that? Do you think that's a little too much? I know it's the legacy advantage. You do need to make it a while. But do you think they kind of went a little too big on this first first go round? I don't think so. If I think because it's their first time, um, they probably had something different in mind for it than we did. Like they, it wasn't meant in their eyes. I don't think to be like a constantly referenced thing uh, throughout the season. You know, if you're, if you can only play at day 36 and later, like I think that, I think that maybe we were interpreting it wrong. How so? Just that, sure that it's, it's not like it's not like an immunity idol. Like it's not something that you're going to be discussing every vote. It's just, you know, like it, it's. I guess it's complementary to. It's not an integral, like an integral part of the season. Right. I'm just. I'm just thinking that, you know, day thirty six, depending on the season, there's going to be six people left at that point. You know, you've got. 16 to 20 players depending on the season what are the chance i mean maybe they they want it to get passed on or use it as bargaining chips chip what are the chances that person who gets it is going to then have it at day 36 yeah if you, do, if you use jeff Prof's math it's one in 20 or one in 18 <laughs> depending on how many players are on the season um but it it does I think the best usage of it was probably in Game Changers. Oh, for sure. Yep. I think without question. Um, yeah. I like, I, like, I kind of like how they changed it where it's, you can use it when there are 13 players left or six players left. They give you two chances to use it. And you have to make it far either way. And that 13 is going to be right around the merge on one side or the other, most likely. Um, so I like that because that's kind of a tricky time. Do you... Do you use it to hopefully guarantee yourself the merge or guarantee yourself that first merge boot vote, which can be pretty unpredictable at times, or do you hold it play, you know, play it, give it a little 
go a little riskier with it and hold it for the later vote. Um, but here it's, it's kind of, it's kind of a nothing, especially because she keeps it secret for the most part. I think some other people know about it, but it, it just kind of is found and then just kind of sits there for a lot of the time, which, which is fine. Um, but I think that's kind of what you, what the production risks when something cannot even be used until so late in the game. Yeah. Just kind of a random question. Has anyone played it at 13 or is it always they wait until six? When did Dom play his? He played it at six. He played he at get six. it forever. I think it's only been those three. Yeah. So I, I guess I'm thinking like, yes, you're changing it by giving people the option to use it at 13 or six. But I, if you're in the game at 13, I think you think you're set up well enough to be able to use it at six. So I don't know how much of a difference it makes if you allow people to use it at 13 at that point. Uh, it's more interesting to me who you pass it on to if you get voted out. True. I, I do enjoy that part. Going back to the game changers and Sarah, how she masterfully orchestrated the entire thing to vote Sierra out to get the legacy advantage. Incredible move. I think yeah. what I, what I like about the 13 and six is that you still have to make the choice at 13 to use it or not in, in this iteration, you, there's nothing to decide. If you have it at on day 36, you're going to use it unless you have individual immunity. There's no reason not to. It's like when you have an idol, the last possible tribal, you're going to play it because why not guarantee your safety? But every vote up to that point, there's no choice to make. It's just there. You can't even use it. And then I, I, I see what you're saying where if you're there at 13, you might be thinking that It'd be a, it'd be a waste to use it at thirteen, um, but at least there at least there's an extra decision to be made. Is yeah, kind of, it's kind of what I like more about that way. That's fair, and and you can still at least work that story into the show by <laughs> by having the option at thirteen. So I get yeah it. yeah because I, I feel like they they want anything they introduce like this in episode one that's like a, supposed to be a major twist or kind of game changer, if you will it's not very fun from a production side. If it then just gets forgotten about at least this way it can come up earlier. Most likely. I mean, you never know, never know how people are going to play it. They might lie about its powers or use it as, like I said before, a bargaining chip on alliances or this vote or that vote. But I don't know. I think, I think it worked out fine. I just, I, I personally prefer when there's the two ch chances to use it, but, I, but you're right. I do really like the, the thought process into who do you, do you give it to afterwards? Yeah. I, I think, I guess what I was trying to say is that like introducing it for the first time, they had it more in mind as like a lottery ticket type thing. And sure. We're so used to the, the idea of an immunity idol that we think any kind of advantage should pop up like throughout the season regularly. And like, I, I think by doing a legacy advantage, they weren't necessarily going for the, the typical immunity idol thing. So yeah, lottery ticket versus regular idol is kind of where my brain went there. Okay. Well, that's fair. That's fair. 
um, another thing from the beginning of the season, maybe even episode one, is David's introduction. When he, when he, he talks about how he's he's neurotic and he hates the outdoors. He's he's scared of like the wind. Basically, he says goes through all of this stuff as he's sitting on a beach on Survivor. I love that. It it makes it just sets up him as an amazing narrator and you're thinking, "Oh, if he stays, he's going to have an incredible story," which he does. And he ends up being one of the best characters of the season and in recent recent memory for for all of Survivor. But that's one of my favorite player self intros in a while for for Survivor for sure. He's a phenomenal narrator. Uh one of my favorites and I think uh <laughs> It's not just that, like, yeah, it's it's funny to hear him talk about being scared of all these things and, and it sets him up for the season as a character. But at the same time, he's talking about all of that. I mean, he he comes in pretty hot as far as how he's playing the game, too, which <laughs> makes it even better. Oh, yeah. You're talking about players playing hard. I mean, David took that to the extreme on the first couple of days. Oh, yeah. How you love to see it, too. Yeah, and if he had gotten voted out early because of that, it would have been a huge loss for the season. So thankfully, he was able to work his way at least out of the bottom position early on. Yep. Um, and I and I guess I can't speculate too much, but uh, not just huge for that season, but huge for at least one future season um, that he was able to stay on. Yeah. And I'm sure we'll talk about him later on about returning players because he's the one who I he's got at least one more appearance in him for me, yeah. I think. Um, but then of course, this is one of the seasons where they have to do an evacuation because of the weather. So at first it starts out that both tribes are given a tarp, which knowing how valuable tarps are, when you see production deciding to just <laughs> gift each tribe a tarp, you know it's gonna be bad. And it and it was. Um, and so it's kind of, oh good, we get a tarp. But oh shit, that means something terrible is coming if production's being this nice to us. They know something we don't know. Yeah. And of course they do get evacuated. And I think they got they had like they couldn't even really talk for the time that they were isolated because you know they couldn't they weren't really filming or they couldn't film. So I think they basically had to sit instructed at least you know remains to be known how actually silent they were but i think they weren't supposed to talk at all aside from if they were talking to production for any reason and they were just basically in like a concrete room and just had like a mat to sleep on but it's kind of like good we're out of the rain but it couldn't have been significantly more comfortable did they say how long that like in real time they were confined to <laughs> these rooms it wasn't long in terms of just straight time. It was like a day or two. Okay. But if you're doing that when you can't talk to people who are like right next to you, it had to have felt like eternity. Yeah, man. What a, that's like a whole other level to <laughs> take this psychological game to. Yeah. 100%. That I can't imagine that that was a fun part to, to deal with. They probably it probably goes from thinking that you know they're thankful they're going to be saved or um, protected from the terrible weather, which of course is is priority number one. But then to find out that 
you can't converse with people. And, and if everyone had their own single room, that might be one thing, but I'm pretty sure they were in rooms together. That'd be, that'd be so hard. Yeah. Wow. I, I don't even know if I can imagine what that would be like. I'd, I'd honestly rather take some rain and be on the island, I think. Oh, for sure. Yeah, we'll we'll take our chances with the tarp. But yeah, that would be... I, I just naturally have to be talking if it's quiet. Like, I, I just enjoy talking to people. Uh-huh. So me in particular, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know how I would have reacted to that. It, it's a whole... It's like its own own immunity challenge. On it on its own. Yeah, I wonder what. I mean, the... I'd have to imagine they had a little bit of leeway there because you can't expect people to not talk. I'm sure they probably said they probably had a handler or someone monitoring and would get on them right away if they did talk. But or it may, maybe production like talked to them each day just so they got some sort of conversation. I don't know if I've heard too much specifically about that. Just that from player to player, they they weren't supposed to communicate or talk about the game or anything Hmm. unless i maybe i have it wrong and and they could talk about like non-game stuff it's so hard to monitor yeah you have to have someone how can you decide what's a game thing and what's not a game thing i mean even just talking to someone is is part of the social game forming a bond yeah so i'm pretty sure i have to look up exactly what what the what they had to go through. I'm pretty sure they couldn't, they weren't supposed to talk at all. So someone can call me on that if I, if I'm wrong, but I'm pretty sure. Cause I remember thinking the first time I read that there's like, I think it, was, it was one of the post game or after episode interviews, probably with probes on it and what they had to go through and think, just thinking, Oh man, that would, that would suck in a completely different way than, than the, the hurricane or typhoon or whatever it was. Oh, man. Yeah. There's uh, of all the seasons. I mean, there's some that I remember in particular for bad weather. Um, I know Samoa was pretty brutal. Eric um, and his tree. <laughs> yep. Yep. Um, and I think uh, like this, honestly, I didn't even remember what it was like because I think David versus Goliath had an evacuation too. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, in this season, I, I didn't even remember this because like the, the excitement of the gameplay and, and the cast just kind of uh, carried it for me. Yeah. Yeah. One, one of the better or at least more likable casts in all in recent history, if not the entire history of the show, um, the millennials, especially I thought um, now the Gen X is, is great too. Brett and Chris and Jessica and a lot of other people are, are awesome. But I mean, you've got Adam and and Jay and and Figtails. You know how much mileage you get out of them, but they're good TV if nothing else. And they weren't like bad people. Just no. Taylor's no. just not very good at the game. <laughs> and and let's talk about that. So there's there's the Triforce of of Jay Taylor and Figgy. And I love when people do this when they get into like a really strong two or three, maybe four some, but they're still in the minority of the overall tribe. Oh yeah. But they think they're just set. Yep. It's the best. It happens. It happens in the next season we're talking about too, uh, right off the bat. So 
that's a commonality between these two. Which, but... which is which is funny when you think about it, because later on, Jay actually proved himself to be a pretty savvy player. And I think Figgy is better than she gets credit for because of her association with Taylor. Because she, I th- once, I, I think she had had some game in her, but she kind of had to keep Taylor in check for a lot of it that yeah. mitigated what she was able to do on a larger scale. Yeah, it. there's a lot of players that would be interesting to see them play again because they kind of got labeled as uh, as like a couple early on or had a target put on them early on. And and she, she'd be one of them. I know that, um, that Candace was kind of like that with Adam in the first season that she played. We got to see her come back a couple times. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, I I think I think Figure be good again. Um, but yeah, I, I just love when people like good, you made a strong bond. That's your threesome, but you still need the majority. You need to work on that. You can't just go off in the ocean with your with your two best friends and just hang out and leave <laughs> everyone else alone on the beach for them to clearly notice, oh, those three have isolated themselves. That's a minority. Good for them. Yep. Yep. Good luck how, the rest of the season. Doesn't matter how strong your three is if there are still six people <laughs> against you. The math does not add up, but hey. No, sir. No, sir, does not. Three is better than one. There you go. Except in placement. That's true. Um, at the Millennials First Tribal Council, and this this is kind of speaks to the attitude that a lot of the players had on the game or for about the game, Adam and G Adam and Zeke kind of share a look with each other. And you can tell they're just in total awe of where they are, even though one of them is their dream is dead in an hour from that moment, but they're still so just taken aback and, and overpowered by the moment and the place there. This game means so much to them. Even, even knowing that their game is on the line, they still can't help, but just, kind of step step back from it for for a second and share a moment with someone that you met a few days ago and just think yeah we're on survivor this is real how awesome is this for sure those are two dudes who just love the game like they would give anything to be there and it's kind of like there's so many of us that wish we could do it and to kind of share in that moment with them was super cool. Yeah. And I'm going to pull up a clip for later, hopefully for one of my favorite moments on, on the show, just like ever. I just need to figure out which episode that came in, but it, it goes, it goes also to that just on how, how much people love the game and just respected the game. Cause I think that's, you know, jumping ahead kind of to the to the merger, we kind of go back and forth. Um, that's what made this season so fun is just people were playing hard, but but nobody ever really took it personally. Everyone was just having a good time, respected big plays, blind sides, and and even even if it was to their detriment, they still were just loving their time out there. Has there was there another season before this where it was just like a mutual respect in gameplay, like to this level? Maybe second um, chance. Yeah, maybe second chance, but I feel like that's maybe a little different because they were playing with a little different intensity. 
Okay. But I think it it kind of probably followed the same kind of the same um attitude, I guess if you will, just because there were people who realized how you know what this second chance moment meant. Um but I I think even before or after, I mean, David versus Goliath kind of had the same feel a little bit, but I still think Millennials versus Gen X exemplified it the not the best, but the most outwardly, maybe. Okay. And it's just it's just so so fun to see when when players can have a you know a lifelong, years long, whatever it is dream just crushed and still just kind of laugh it off true yeah and if you make the trip to fiji it's you just don't want to uh you don't want it to be wasted especially after a few days but um yeah that that's why i have so much respect for early especially first boots just in general that still have a good attitude about it because like you said, you're you're putting your entire life on hold for four, five, six weeks, maybe, and then you're done in three days. And yeah, you get a, a pretty cool tropical vacation out of it, but that's that's not why you did it. But yeah, but you want to make sure <laughs> that you're you're making making it worth it, getting your your money's worth, I guess, if you will. Don't get me wrong, dude. It sucks. <laughs> sucks to be the first boot i just i can hear reem in my head but she's just like she's one of those ones um that you can tell like just hated leaving first but made the most of it and and we all love her for it yeah yeah i mean reem reem is a is a great example i mean she had a different a little bit different of a situation given that she wasn't officially out of the game but still with the back with your back against the wall like still that. yeah it, yeah okay just because i just found it um it's and you can probably guess what it is it's it's when jay gets voted out do you remember how this plays out i do not i'm i'm looking forward to hearing this. so so, so david made a fake idol that jay ended up oh finding. yeah yeah, it was like very obviously placed too, wasn't it? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. We'll just let it play out here. I'm not hearing anything right now. You're not hearing it? Nope. Nope. Are you? Sh- oh, I'm shoot. sure. I'm sharing the audio. Let me try to reshare it. This is. Ooh not a hidden immunity idol. It is a work of art, but it has no value in this game. Oh my God, dude, you freaking got me, you bastard. Any vote to pass for Jay will count. I love, I I love that reaction. Yeah. All right, and then do you remember what he does when, um, not when Jeff actually snuffs his, cho- snuffs nope. his torch. Nope. Okay. This is this is the best part to me. Damn. 
you gave it everything. You dude. got me, you guys. I hate all of you. Come on, Hannah. Ah. <laughs> to the very end, dude. To the very end. <laughs> uh, I had fun, though. Jay? You're all warriors. It was mad fun. You too, Jay. Man, have fun. You yeah, too, a lot. Man. Thank Bye. you. <laughs> Go ahead, Jeffrey. <laughs> Snuff my torch. Jay. <laughs> Travis, bro. Oh, it's it's so good. Yeah, I man, mean, you you gotta love that. That that just perfectly exemplifies the attitude of, of the cast in this season. That he knew he was the target. He found this idol or what he thought was an idol and was ecstatic about it, and then just has it crushed in a second with the famous throw that fake out on the fire and he just laughs it off and yeah. then to still kind of playfully talk to jeff as as his torch is getting snuffed i mean not a lot of players would would take it that way and to see him do that i mean to watch that live was one of the one of the coolest moments i imagine i will grow a very healthy appreciation for jay upon the rewatch i don't know how you can't that dude is one of the best. One of the best. I've got another clip for the uh, the next season, but we'll 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 save that. Another, you can probably guess who it comes from, but another another great moment. <laughs> yep. All right, um, Hannah. Let's talk a little Hannah here. Man, there's um, so many. How are we gonna get to all these? This is this is maybe my my only. Only it's my only Hannah moment, um, but it's it's equal parts cringe and equal parts hilarious. After they vote out um, Mari early on, I think first actually if I have that remembered right. Um, Zeke and Adam are on the beach, and Hannah wants to talk to Zeke about like why she flipped, and Zeke is just saying, "I don't want to talk to you right now. I'll talk to you tomorrow." I don't want to talk to you right now, but Hannah won't let it go. And it gets to the point where Zeke literally says, I just need to breathe first. And Hannah goes, okay, but before you breathe. <laughs> <laughs> and and Adam, Adam and Zeke just cannot get her to understand that, yes, Zeke will talk to you later, but not in this exact moment. And she just cannot let it go. It's, it's incredible. Oh, man. The, it's great energy from Hannah, though. She means well. She just she just wants to explain, but yeah, and and we've all been Zeke too, where you're just like, nope, not right now, not right now. But yeah, one of those uh, it's like very human, real life moment taking place on TV in a exotic location. Yeah, I mean that's just production gold. They had to they had just scream and sounds and excitement when they saw that happening because they knew they had oh. an incredible moment. Um, this is also, if I remember right, the first instance of the steal a reward advantage that Adam ultimately gets. Uh, what do you think of that? One, I guess, and how it played out here, and, and when he ended, ended up giving it to Jay, but just in general, as, with this as a as a game mechanism. Um, I feel like it could turn into the idle clues from Blood versus Water. Where you just, it's something you don't want to touch. You just like, give me as far away from this as possible. I don't want to steal anything from anyone. 
And, uh, but I mean, if, if played, it certainly makes for an interesting scenario. I think this was the absolute worst season for this to be a part of because everyone got along so well for the most part that I think Adam would have been able to handle it in a good way where, you know, I think, cause I think what you need to do is one of yours, if you're in a bad position, steal it from one of your rivals and take other people on the reward. And you know, what are you going to do worse in your already bad position or you can steal it from somebody, but you have to then take that person on the reward because they, they won and they're going to be the one who's the most pissed off. If they miss out now, unless it's two people who are really butting heads, but you know, like if you win or, or if, or just tell someone like in your Alliance, like if you and you, you and I are on the season and I've got it, I'll just say, Jared, if you win, I'm going to steal it. Then I'll just take you with me and we'll figure out who to take with us. Yeah, that's true. There are ways around it, but that's not fun for TV. No, no. But if you're if you're playing to win, it's probably the best thing to do. Yeah. Which I guess is maybe a flaw in the design of the advantage to begin with. I think they were probably hoping that people would be driven by the, the family visit or just if someone hadn't eaten in a long time that they would let that overtake logic. Because there's definitely a situation where it would play out horribly for the person playing it, which would mean it would play out perfectly for us at home watching. So I, I don't mind it because worst case scenario, you, you see people go on a reward who would have gone on a reward anyway. And it's there's really no risk from an entertainment standpoint with including this because worst case scenario doesn't get played at all. I and mean, it's nothing different from any other season. Best case scenario, you get some awesome drama. Fair. Yep. I wouldn't mind seeing that come back once in a while. Um, but yeah, let's try to keep it moving here a little bit. Um, you get the moment on the reward where, where Brett comes out to Zeke. Um, you know, he says, you're not the only, only gay guy on the island. It's just a really, really sweet moment. Um, you see, you see Brett, you know, have the confessional talking about kind of how he felt he had to hold it in through a lot of his life. Um, I don't think he was planning to tell anybody or wasn't planning as a, as a moment, which kind of came out. That was just a really, really nice human moment. And with how competitive and cutthroat the game can be, it's, it's always fun and nice to see these true human moments sneak in here and there. Cause that, cause it, it's not, they're not overdone in the game. They're not constantly in every episode, necessarily even every season um, all the time. So when you, when you get a true, true moment of, of friendship like that I, I really enjoy it yeah and then if you if you watch that clip knowing what happens in season 34 it's it's kind of like a full circle experience and uh for better or worse but yeah hits hits you a little different that's that's for sure knowing knowing what's to come uh of course there's the the rock draw at final 10 poor poor jessica on this one that's she's, tough. That's tough. Just she's pressured to flip. She does not want to. She's adamant, adamant about not wanting to go to rocks, but does not want to flip under any circumstances. And then she's eliminated by the rock draw. I mean, from again, from a production standpoint, dominoes fell perfectly in line, but it's just crushing to see. You know, that's the price you pay for being loyal and survivor. I guess so. I guess so. Um, the final four immunity 
they have the dish stacking challenge. I like this um, because it's it's timed or the first to stack 13. Um, so cause it, it kind of makes you second guess yourself a little bit. If you're at 10 or 11 or so and got a lead, do you risk tipping your tower over or do you let it sit hope, hoping the time will run out while you before, uh, before anyone else can, can, can match you? Ken and Hannah actually tie and then they go to a five minute showdown, which any, any extra time, you know, free hockey, free basketball, PKs and soccer. If you watch, did you watch the USA Mexico game last night? I mean, no. just anything. I mean, they had tons of, tons of stoppage time and extra time. It was incredible. Anything if I heard extra, a showdown was happening, I would have been in though. It basically was a showdown. That's <laughs> I I've, I'm just now getting into soccer and I've been loving it. And this was an incredible game, but we want to get, we don't need to get into that now with, you know, we have time to, to talk soccer, but watch the highlights. Nothing else. It was a great game. Um, but any, anything that added a little extra bit of pressure, always all for it. Um, and then, I mean, one thing I've noticed we, we, we do is we talk about the season a lot then we don't always focus on the winners so much or we'll kind of add them in as an afterthought. Not that it's a bad thing. It's something I've been, I've been noticing, but, but Adam, man, he was in a precarious position early in the season. He, he could have bungled his way out of the game a lot. A lot Definitely. Uh, there's yeah, that's a good point. Um, because I actually have my own separate list of like winner power rankings where I go through and I, I kind of evaluate how the eventual winner of the season played in comparison to winners of other seasons. And mm-hmm. um, Adam is, is the definition of what I would classify as a grinder where you just like, it's not pretty. You, you may <laughs> not always be on the top, but you get through it. And, and when it comes to final travel, you pull it out. There you go. And I think what that kind of goes to show is that it's not necessarily, or when I say it, the season, is it necessarily dependent on the winner? Some definitely are. Our our sixth ranked season next week for sure is for me. Be interested to hear that. The winners at war talk. Because <laughs> yeah. that one's massively influenced by the winner. But you know, a season like this. I would have been disappointed if, if Ken or Hannah had won, although Hannah had a phenomenal, I thought, final tribal. I thought she explained herself really well, and I never thought she was going to win, but I'm sh- I'm still shocked she got zero votes. Uh, final tribal is one of the things I wanted to talk about, too. And um, I remember Adam just being a very good player in general, and I remember really liking Hannah a lot. And... Um, like going back through my notes before we, we started this episode. Um, I like, I reminded myself of, yeah, what a great appearance Hannah had there. And um, that's something that didn't really stick with me the first time. And what sticks with me from this tribal council is that I think Adam actually did a really good job too. Um, So I don't want to like, I don't want to, take anything away from him obviously because he won too Mm -hmm. um but i i'm always conflicted about the idea of bringing a personal tragedy into your final tribal speech um and and it's hard to avoid talking about it if it's super important to you like it was to him 
and it's hard to avoid talking about it if there's someone like Jay out there who who you can bond with. And um, I can see how it would be on his mind the whole season, and and it would just be so hard to keep it in. To me, I would always wonder if it was my gameplay or that that put people over the top but i think with a with a clean sweep he probably can rest <laughs> rest assured that yep. uh, it was his gameplay yeah and that that's always an, an interesting topic to discuss because the other big one you probably think of is jeremy in in second yep. chance and you know we'll get him gotten to that season yet of course um but the overall discussion is, is pretty similar and what i think sets these two apart is that it it kind of came up naturally in in their speech and in how the questions were posed, it's like Jeremy's without spoiling too much of that discussion. The question I think was posed as what was your second chance journey about? So it tied perfectly in because he's always been about family. That's, that's For his sure. thing. So that made a lot of sense. And I can't remember how it came up here. Exactly. I didn't write that down specifically, but it wasn't just like he said, Hey, by the way, my, this is happening with my mom and my family right now. Like it, it, it flowed naturally and came about in, in a way that wasn't forced or at least didn't feel forced. And so if you can do that, then, then I think there's, I mean, no matter what, I have no problem with it because your, your goal there is to gain votes to win the game. And if your view of the jury is that tugging at their heartstrings, pulling the emotions will get you votes, use every tool at your disposal to get those votes. And there, and but you have to handle it in the in the right way, where if if Adam just out of nowhere, like I had said, just says, "My mom's got cancer. I don't know how much time she has left. This means a lot to to her and me and our family." But but it just kind of split or stuck somewhere, just spliced somewhere in there. Then it could turn some people off because it's like, "Oh, you're trying to gain the sympathy vote." Whereas when it comes in naturally, it just feels like a larger part of, of the entire game. And, and it was a part of his strategy and his time on the Island. That's true. Yeah. For as, for as much as we advocate for just doing whatever it takes to win and, you know, not, not being angry at other people for playing the game hard um, and bringing some personal stuff in, into it. I probably shouldn't be too critical here, especially since, um, you know, it, it, it did directly tie into what they were talking about to begin with. Yeah, no, so. I don't think you're being critical at all. I think it's a fair question or fair topic to discuss because, you know, we, we both said numerous times, you know, things like your quote unquote need for the money shouldn't play into whether or not someone votes for you. But again, that's all in jury management. What, what is the jury basing their vote on? And if they're basing it on need tell them you're poor, tell them you're in debt, tell them you've got this, that, the other thing to pay off, or you want to pay off your parents' mortgage or, or whatever it is. And if you, and with the, the family stuff, it's kind of tricky because it can come off as pretty ugly if it feels like you're trying to leverage a, a tragedy or an emotional moment into votes. But if you do it the way Adam and Jeremy did it, where you've got everyone on the jury in tears, then you did it the right way and whether or not that was your specific intention, is it not going to hurt you, at least at that point? All right. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you there. Okay. Let's move on to 
the second chance for um, Millennials Gen X. I've got um, several. Jay, I think, is my number one with a bullet on this one. Um, Brett, for sure. I even take Rachel and Mari. Rachel, the first boot. Mari, the first millennial boot. They went out early, but they showed some promise, I thought. Um, Cece, another early boot. Figgy, we talked about. Jessica. And and I would say Chris as well. So, and you know what? Throw Hannah in there. That's, yeah. Ooh, I, that's forgot, a lot. I, for, I forgot to put her on, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, like we said before, and little little preview, this is not the most players I have on my second chance yet. Well, There's we got an some upcoming season. That's it's basically the entire cast. <laughs> we got some heavy hitters coming up. Yeah. I, and I know what, exactly what season you're talking about, too. <laughs> so, yep. Um, yeah, I would say Hannah and Jay uh, are one and two for me in no particular order. Um, and then I can, I don't know. There's, there's a lot. Yeah. Figgy maybe. Um, but there's one that I like, and uh, we talked about this with Michael from uh, ghost Island, but uh, Will was 18 when he played for the first time. Yeah. And uh, I believe at that point he was like the youngest player ever to, to be on the show. He was still in high school, wasn't he? Yeah. He had to take a break from school to, to go, to go film. Yeah. So that could be one of those, uh, like character arc stories. If you give him a few years off. Yep. Yep. So those will be, yeah, I think that's about, well, I I'll throw bread in there too. He was good. Um, so yeah, those five. One, two, three, four. You said, you said fig, you were kind of iffy on Figgy, but she was. I said maybe Figgy, yeah. Yeah, Figgy, yeah. yeah. Then others to return Adam, he was on Winners at War. We've talked about that at length. A legend season. I still stick to that. And then um, Michaela, Zeke, and David. We talked about Michaela on, on Game Changers. And I think you had said somewhere between her Millennial Gen X and Game Changers game is a close to perfect survivor game. And if, if nothing else, she's going to give you one or two just gold moments oh, so bring, yeah. her, bring her back just for that because she does have some serious game but she's got she's rough around the edges in some parts but bring her back because she's going to give you a couple fantastic moments zeke and david um yeah i could go either way on them you know i think they probably are who they are as players at this point but they're both so entertaining they're both fantastic narrators and those are some usually the, some of the best players to bring back I, I couldn't complain with either of them coming back. Yeah, we, I, <laughs> Michaela is like one of my favorites. Um, and I just, I think also we know what she is at this point, but um, I, I don't want to forget one of her quotes from this season while we're still on it. Um, yeah. So the quote was, you can either keep your bathing suit on and lose, or you can get your bathing suit ripped off and win. So I was like, they're going to see some tatas today. <laughs> yes. Yes. That's, that's great. And that, that is, that epitomizes, that's epitomizes her. I think just in her, her competitive spirit. Yeah. Need more Michaela's on the show. I think so. All right. That will close out millennials gen X moving on to our seventh season, season 26, 2013's Kara Moen won by Cochran. 
as he forced Jeff Probst to call him on his first season. Um, second edition of fans versus favorites, my 12th ranked season, Jared's sixth ranked season. And if you want to talk about, at least in my opinion, an inconsistent season, look no further than Caramone because oh, wild the, the early episodes, basically the entire pre-merge, but especially early on some of the most uncomfortable moments and just worst moments for a lot of reasons the show has seen and then finishes on a really really strong final stretch so it averages out to upper third season for me uh, based on the strong finish and and the good winner but man that those first three episodes are are rough to get through i i think you're going too far with that um I'm I'm watching it right now. I'm on about episode nine, and uh, I will give you that. Like, depending on how you interpret it, it could it could be tough to watch. But um, I don't think that. Like for me, it it definitely doesn't overshadow um, the the pre merge. Like none none of the. I don't think what you're referencing overshadows the pre merge for me in the season. Yeah, I mean. The biggest thing, at least for me, is is Brandon Hans. I mean, we, we talked about him in his first season that clearly they made a casting mistake for putting him on the show. And the fact they brought him back for a second season after what happened on the first season, just a couple years prior. I mean, he was, what, 19 in that first time? He was 21, 22 this time. I don't know what they were thinking. They got basically exactly what you would predict would happen yeah and and maybe even then some i mean yeah that's the big mistake is just bringing him back in the first place and 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 for me because yeah you can put a lot of that on brandon but he there was clearly something going on mentally i think you have to say like i could be wrong nothing i've seen has been officially reveal as a diagnosis or anything like that but just based on how he reacted and how he acted there there was some something else underneath the surface there that was causing him to act like that i mean dumping out the rice and beans starting to burn the shelter to the ground basically i don't know it seemed like he was coiled up and ready to just unleash in who knows what way at any point in time it was i it had to have been scary living on that beach yeah yeah i i do feel bad for everyone that had to be there with him i think it, it's confusing to me because he he clearly knows how to kind of keep that like reeled in and watching it you you start to question is he doing this because he's really that impulsive um or is he doing it because he thinks this is what production expects him to do and obviously not go that far but um at least like does he think they expect him to produce some fireworks for them yeah and maybe that was part of it but if if that was his thinking there was something in in him that prevented him from leveling it out yeah. and i i think i think this is 
Brandon Hans in Caramoan, I think, is probably the worst casting oversight they could have prevented. Like something yep. like Dan Spilo had more adverse effect on the game itself that you could say that was a worse decision. But Brandon, that's one that should have popped, you know, flash red ahead of time that they should have stopped before it even got to the point of him being on the show. Yeah. Um, it's to me, I'm as long as like, there's no long-term damage done to anyone on the show, like psychological or physical. I'm, I'm okay with these moments happening because like, to me, it was really interesting to see Jeff work with him as they got to that challenge and, and just see Jeff kind of take over and um, deal with a situation he had never seen before. And, and that's the kind of stuff that, yes, it's uncomfortable, but like, to me, I'm like, I wouldn't even prefer that that didn't happen in this season because like, that's something that you would never, you'd never get to see otherwise. And, and like I said, as long as there's no lasting effects from it, um, like I, I just love seeing as many different scenarios as they can present to us on the Island. And I, I understand that this is not intentional and we <laughs> like right. this, it, it happened on its own. And like, ideally they would have prevented the casting from happening, but um, all things considered, I like, I was, I was pretty hooked on just the scene in general. Oh yeah. I mean, it's, it's a riveting scene, but in my eyes for so many of the wrong reasons, Yeah. but, but you, you were right that Probst, I mean, the way he handled that, you couldn't have asked for a better reaction on his, his end. He could have snapped at the moment and just called in. I'm sure they have security somewhere, call them in right away to, to just haul him off the Island or intervening somehow. But but this is this is where where Probst earns his his twenty million a year or whatever or whatever he <laughs> is. Moments like this that go beyond the job of hosting, but just to off the cuff talk Brandon down, you know, and you it seems obvious to pull him away from the from the tribe, but in the moment you could easily see somebody who's not trained in those kind of situations to not do that. Yeah, just forgetting, and he just did it automatically. So all the credit in the world to, to Jeff there. Um, let's maybe move past that. Let's, let's go to a, to a funny moment. Cause our, our man, Philip Shepard, of course, is on the season and he is absolutely feeling himself this oh. season, especially early on. Um, this clip, it doesn't have anything to do with the game, but just with just him, just as a person. I work out. For my age to do what I do, it's phenomenal. When I go to the gym now and I play full court ball, I'm playing with men half my age. And I got a little thing, I get a little rebound, sprint to the corner with it, do a little double dribble. Uh-uh. Try to go for it, one step back. All air, baby. <laughs> playing with guys twice my height. <laughs> but they don't know what I'm gonna do out there. And they can't believe I'm doing it. Hey man, you're playing pro NBA ball. Not, it's just that you're not used to the Larry Birds, the Magic Johnson kind of moves. I'm old school. 
That was legendary. Oh my god! Twice my put got twice my height. That that's one of the ones. That's an all time quote that that I remember, uh, just from even the first time through, when he says, "I play with guys twice my height." Is I feel like a lot of people miss it, and that just that stuck with me forever. That that is that clip right there is is so good for so many reasons. When he talking about taking the jump shot and says all air, it's like okay, so you, so you airball it. I, everyone knows anyone who knows basketball a tiny amount knows what he was trying to say, but when he says all air and then says double dribble, and I mean the guy's a legend. I don't know yeah. what, else, what else you can say, but I know some people got a little tired of of Phillips' attitude early on this season, um, that he was a little too arrogant, a little too cocky, too much. Well, what I learned from Boston Rob, which never stop talking about that when you're on Survivor because that was amazing as well. Like he he couldn't miss. It was incredible watching him on on the second go round. Yeah, uh, I I think he also has one later in the season. He says something like, "When you go to bed at night, pretend you're Boston Rob. That's what I do." <laughs> I mean, the man was in awe of him, and you can't really blame him to an extent. But also, what does he say? He's 50-some years old. And then he's still just this obsessed with with a guy 10 years years younger. So much better. So so much good. (laughs) And he's right back, reunited with his with his love, Francesqua. Uh Uh-huh. Uh-huh. And honestly, though, poor Franny. That is it's really, really tough to watch for how you feel for her. But it's really, really enjoyable to watch just because it's hilarious. And and I think the the first time I saw it, um, obviously, it's like, oh, well, they sent her home first on the first time she played. So, yeah, you're just kind of looking for any reason to send someone home first the second time. And, you know, she probably got stuck in a tough spot, but. Watching this again, uh, I I saw why she got voted out first both times, and it's because she just refuses to go with what people want to do. And I mean, it's I you feel bad, but honestly, like I didn't realize everything she could have done differently to just stay for one show. Yeah, I mean, part of that though is. You know, some people, they're just going to be who they are. And, uh, yes. And, and I know some, some people take, take more, more pride in staying true to themselves than to, and you criticize or applaud that as much as you want. But I think for some people, it's, it's hard to envision acting like somebody else for 39 days when it's hard enough to just be yourself. But I see what you're saying, though. But but it is it is hard for people, I'm sure, just to turn it off or change something that's core about them. At, like at some point, at some point in the game, though, you are you are going to have to adapt no matter who you are. Yeah. And it, it just is that very early on, she seems to have a hard time doing it in, in less than the second one. She just couldn't let herself give in to Philip. 
that's true which i would respect i would respect it's like it's yeah. either me or him i'm going huge here and yeah that she maybe would have rather been voted out first over couch you know kowtowing to to phillips will and letting him have undies. that over her yeah yep but i think the best part about the the beginning is is that Cochran just just gets sunburned <laughs> immediately <laughs> Like yeah. literally within like it's, it seems like a, with the within the first five minutes on the beach, and I'm a very light skinned person. <laughs> I I I know that struggle. Me too. I don't think I've ever been that fully burned that quickly. I maybe yeah. in spots here or there. Although you know maybe the sun's just that much hotter there, it happens quicker. But my goodness, was that was that fast and hilarious? Ew. And and he just laughs it off. Yeah, that was great. You know, well, the I was gonna say, you know how much pain he's in, though. And oh, he actually, yeah. he actually says it too. He's like, "Yeah, you know, I laugh it off, but I'm actually in excruciating pain right now." <laughs> Cochran, another another great narrator, and you know, like David and like Zeke, they're all writers. I don't think there's any. I don't think that's a coincidence. The guys who who write for a living that's true yeah. are are that good at weaving a story. But yeah, Cochran. Yeah. I mean, th- this is his season. Well, that's part of the character arc too. I mean, in season in in season twenty three, when he was first on, I think he said that uh, he had translucent skin, and <laughs> now season twenty six, it really we we see uh, the long play where you know he gets that instant sunburn. It's like, oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, I mean, the Cochran just he kind of dominated the season and in a really enjoyable way. I th- I think he he played he played a great game. What do you think of his his status, if you will, as a challenge beast this season? Uh, well, I I, I take it, issue with it. It seems like more mocking or tongue in cheek to me. Um, but yeah, I if if it's serious, then I have a very big problem with it. Yes. Because um, the food eating challenge, impressive, but really anyone can win that. And then the the hold on to the rope challenge, I think that because that's when he has an advantage on. When I think that advantage is way too strong. He did use it exactly how he was supposed to. I'll give him that. He he made the right call on when to use it. But yep. But when when you're on the end there and you have extra support, a little not. You know, ball knot, whatever, against the bottom of your hand, and people are holding with nothing behind you. That I mean, that just becomes more and more an advantage the longer it goes on. Yep. I mean, credit to him; he still could have lost. There were some strong people there, but and, I mean, he used that as as final tribal, so I don't think it was completely in jest on the on the challenge part, unless unless the unless the expectations for him were just so ground level low that even winning in those circumstances is just that impressive you know then he could play to it and you know more power to him for recognizing that but if it's it, yeah but i i don't think he really is a challenge beast if they're talking about it in series i've always i've always took it as they were being serious about it but i guess i could just be interpreting it wrong it eh, it could go either way i think it's i think it's more joking but yeah Good, good for him for winning a couple. Let's go with that. Let's go with that. That's in jest and in good fun and just out of love and respect for 
for the person and the character that that he is. Um, let's see here. I've got a couple other things. The one of the big plays, or maybe the signature play, is Malcolm's double idol play. He's got immunity, and he pulls out an idol for Reynolds and an idol for Eddie. Now it's a big moment, but do you think he played it correctly? Nope, not not at all. Um, that's, that's what I what I said. <laughs> now I wonder if we had the same reasoning. Why do you say he played it incorrectly? Well, I my personal policy is never play an idol for someone other than yourself. Um, but I'm I'm curious to hear what you think because you phrasing the question that way makes me think we feel differently on this. Well, cause there's a, there's a couple that that's my main reason that that is that if you, you've got your idols, you have immunity, you're safe for two more votes. Yep. And if Eddie or Reynolds goes to the jury, they're giving you their vote guaranteed without question. You had their vote unless you really mess up somehow later on. Um, and so going off of your, your, your philosophy, which is a good one. Don't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't go far, go as far as say never play somebody else. I think it's hard, hard to play survivor with any sort of absolutes Yep. for the most part, at least it would have Um, to, you would, you would have to know it would benefit you to a point way later in the game to play an idol for someone else. Yep. Or if this was the the last chance to play an idol, then that's an obvious one and play it for your, for allies. Um, but yeah. There's that, but then the, he also played them before the votes were read. Uh, I forgot about that. So yeah. it it did work out that they still voted out Philip, but everyone else could have turned on a different player, and then it could have kept Philip in the game. Yeah, I mean, but if they if he if he waits to play those idols. He knows Eddie or Reynolds or both are getting the votes. He can negate all of them. Yeah. They're, they might guess, yeah, maybe one has an idol. So we'll split it on these two. One will go home. So he, he's played on both to be safe. All those votes don't count. Only their three votes matter. They get who they want. Well, yeah. So you're saying if you don't play it before um, the it, votes it are give- cast, it guarantees you the person that you want to go home. Yes. So I. I see that um, where you're coming from, but I, I think he also did it because he wanted to form as big of a crack in that Alliance as he could. And to watch them scramble in the middle of a tribal council, I, I think maybe mentally he thought would do more damage than it ended up doing. See, I I think I I like what you're saying there. I think because the fact that it was Philip made it less effective, because I don't feel like at the end of the day, many people, or all that upset to, to see that's go, true that's true. that that's that was probably a pretty easy concession for them to make taking all things into consideration but i i do see what you're saying and people have done that before um i think it was um in worlds apart where, where mike does it and then the person he wanted to go stays but then he said oh but i think dan dan still got two votes something like that so that it does show kind of where people sit in that alliance um, but in this case, because of who they were targeting, they couldn't really put that into full effect, but yeah, it is interesting to see in that case, 
you know, you make them scramble, make a, a last minute decision and you see who, who's kind of calling the shots and who is ultimately on the bottom or bottom two couple spots in the Alliance. Um, but yeah, I think ultimately, ultimately he should have kept them for himself. He could have made it. Well, I don't want to say he could have made it so much further, but he, he definitely could have bought himself some time to work on some other alliances. Yeah. Or, th- or at the very least save himself for a couple more yeah. votes and, yep. and get himself. Cause, cause the further you get into the game, when, when you're messing up people's plans, it's going to mess up a lot of stuff potentially. And you know, if there's a group of five that you're going against, maybe only three of them are super close. And the other two are just saying, well, I'm ahead of Malcolm. So I'll be with them. But if you get down to it, then they might flip at, you know, six or seven against those people. They, they view it, maybe the, the top of the Alliance. So I think, yeah, I think he could have gone quite a bit further if he didn't get sucked in by the, by the big move. Although I'm, I'm sure Sierra was watching it and, and loved and loved to see it happen. Yeah. Um, I thought you were, well, <laughs> I thought you might reference a different move um, because the Corinne blindside was, uh, I think maybe equally important in the, the grand scheme of the game okay. where there's like this, this new Alliance forming with, you know, the, what the three amigos and uh, Corinne, Eric and Michael. Um, and yeah, they, they thought they were in charge, Malcolm and Corinne in particular. And then uh, Don is the one that blows up the whole thing by um Corinne trusting her, I think is what it was, or, or Malcolm. One of them trusted her. Um, I think it was Corinne. And, and Don's like, wait a second, do we really want to blow up this strong alliance right now? And yeah, she goes back and they work out a plan to uh, get her out of the game since they can tell she's flipping. And she is, she is truly, truly shocked by it. Like she can't even say anything on her way out. She's, her mind is just numb at that point. Yeah, and if you've got current Kaplan speechless, you must have been something, done something big. Yeah, yeah. So um, that's that's one of my favorite plays maybe ever, just because uh, earlier in the episode she says, yeah, you know, I'm, I kind of want to blindside someone. I've never been part of a blindside. <laughs> and, of course. Yep, so, I mean, she, hey, she, she was part of one. She got her wish. But... And... Another another move, maybe on the side of big dummy moves, is the the standing on the little perch in the water challenge, where Eddie voluntarily drops out when he's clearly one of two targets. Yeah, that's not good. That's not, not great. good. But it does give us a fantastic ending. You know, one of our long time mentioned favorites, Andrea and Brenda. Are, are the final two and they're on the top perch and they're just going forever. So they just decide they make their own rules and say, Oh, we'll just go one leg, one leg each. I mean, <laughs> they know they're both safe. They're, they're in a close Alliance. And, and I love that Jeff let it happen. It yeah. Wasn't like it, a stickler for the rules that he just said, Hey, if you both agree to it, I'll, I'll, I'll work with you on it. And they both go, go to one leg each. It's, it's incredible. And leave plenty of room for creativity from the cast. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of Brenda and challenges, another prime example 
of why you just don't win the loved ones challenge. Just don't do it. I know it's hard to resist, but in, unless you're completely isolated and you need, and you need to gain some favor or you're not going to piss anybody else off even more, just don't win the challenge. So do you remember how this one plays out? Nope. Refresh me. So, so Brenda wins and then she gets to pick one person to, to join her and her dad um, on the reward. So she, she picks Dawn and then Jeff gives her another option. She can give up both her and Dawn's loved one visit. And in exchange, the other four remaining players will get their loved one visit <sighs> on the, on the boat somewhere out, out, you know, it's a barbecue on the, on the ocean pretty much. And Brenda basically without, without second thought gives up her and Dawn's loved one visit to give it to the other four. And Dawn obviously is, is pissed and rightfully so to have that taken, taken away from her like that. And then, I mean, I you mean, have to expect that's coming though. You like, there's you can't be that upset about it like you you can be upset that it was taken from you but like you have to understand that this is how it goes i think what's different about this one is that it's not like brenda had the choice of taking it for herself or giving it to everyone she had chosen dawn already and then had another choice so it's not like it was just a selfless, selfless act on Brenda's on Brenda's part. I see, I see where you're coming from, but I'm just trying to look at Dawn's side too, where I can't think of another time where someone's actively giving up someone else's loved one's visit that had been given to them in one way or another. So I think that's what make this, makes this one a little bit different. Yeah. Force people to make but, tough decisions. You, oh, that's, that's, what, oh that's, yeah. what, that's what I love. I love that this happened, but I've said it before and I'll say it again. I've said that before and I'll say that again. I'm sure just don't win the challenge. <laughs> there are very few instances. Um, when we talk about in millennial gen X, Adam wants to win the loved one, loved one's visit with his brother. That one makes complete sense. Some things are bigger than the game. That's a moment that he needed bigger than the game. Go to win that challenge. Side note, <laughs> one of the funniest, funniest moments. I feel bad saying it, but given the the context but when he's just stuck underneath the bar in the sand just yelling i'm sorry it's hysterical i'm sorry it is. but it's just hysterical um but yeah a moment like that sure go win the loved ones challenge you deserve it extenuating mitigating circumstances however you want to phrase it but for the most part it only brings resentment or other bad feelings, whatever it might be. And there's a decent chance you're going to get to partake anyway. That's true. Just, just based on numbers. At least 50-50. Just based on sheer numbers. It's never at a final nine or ten because they're not going to pay to fly out nine loved ones. They can do it when there's fewer people. You're always going to get to choose one, probably two people to come along with you. And whether you're in an alliance with that person who wins or not, there's reasons on both sides to pick anyone pretty much. Unless there's someone who just completely isolated, everyone can make a, you can make a case for 
for taking anybody with you. So there's a decent chance you're going to, you're going to go without having the same blowback that the winner has. So you're saying don't win it. Yes. Yes. If that, okay. if that, if that wasn't okay. clear, that wasn't clear. <laughs> Again, this is the reason why I would want a, a friend to come visit me, a friend who knows the game. Cause mm-hmm. then, then I would say like you, for example, you come out there, I say, Jared, we're not going to win this. And then I try as hard as I can. And I'm like, we're winning this anyway. <laughs> Just dragging us to victory. Or I'd say, Jared, I need this. Let's try to win. And, and it'd be much easier to do that with, with a friend who knows the game than my mom or dad, who I would obviously love to see. But it'd be so much harder to say, hey, mom, I'm going to actively try to lose to, to avoid and avoid spending time with you. Okay, you, you go with that? Yeah. I wouldn't make my mom fly out to Fiji or wherever it is to then throw a challenge. But someone like you or or other good friend, Chris, who loves Survivor, you guys would understand. Mm -hmm. I'm trying so hard not to mention another loved one's challenge where one one person in the loved one's challenge seems to be sabotaging the other one. But um, it's not it's not a sabotage. It's you know what you know which one I'm talking about. Are, I won't reference you, it. I'll wait. I'll are wait. you are you making is this serious or you're making a joke? No, it's it's kind of a joke, but I I gotta okay. talk about it. I gotta talk about it. I'm just saying, Reed shows up on okay. Heroes versus Villains, <laughs> and maybe, just maybe, he's doing Colby a favor by preventing him from winning the challenge. <laughs> and Colby doesn't know it. Oh, that can be a half hour discussion on its own. Yeah. That yes. Anyway, I couldn't, that's what I thought you were talking about, but I couldn't You you sounded just serious enough where I couldn't be certain that's what you were, were referencing or not. I, I was trying to tease it, but I can't, I can't just bring it up and not talk about it. No, I mean, we've mentioned that loved ones challenge so many times. It's, it, it I don't know what to say. It's if one that's of, like the signature thing that we're known for talking about. We're a success. Yes, I agree with that. I, I'm I'm okay with with that being being the signature thing we we're known about. That's good. Um, all right. Uh, speaking of Brenda again, she has the moment with she she has a she has a rough end to the show. Oh, rough yeah. rough end. Um, so Dawn, who we find out from her losing them in the water, she has fake teeth. Was is there what's the technical name? Veneer. Veneers, is that what they are? Uh, anyway, anyway I, yeah. she's got fake teeth implants. I'm sorry if there's a better word for that, but you all know what I'm trying to say. And and they get someone come loose or get knocked down and fall into the water, and she's hysterical about it. She's very self-conscious about it. And and Brenda gets into the water, finds the teeth. Dawn is very grateful. And and Brenda, I feel like, did it at one as a friend, two. This will help me in the game. And then Dawn, or not Dawn, Brenda gets to final tribal. And she's got two, two rough moments. One is with Cochran when she feels like he owes her something for the family visit, which I'm not sure if this has been discussed. If you ask me, nobody ever owes anybody anything in Survivor. Because there's no such thing as a completely selfless move. 
Yeah. And this is evidence of that right there. Don thinking that Cochran owed her something proves that she didn't do it because she's a good person. It just negates yeah. that. True. And and I know it's it's harder to separate that in the moment and and you know in the game if someone does something nice for you whether it's saving someone with an idol giving up their family visit so you can have yours people have given up rewards for someone who have who hasn't eaten or for someone's birthday whatever it might be but there's always a second layer and even if there's not people are going to assume there is so when you get and if, if you want to use that to your advantage if you want to say like don did and manipulate people try to or try to manipulate people into thinking they owe you one good on you you can pull it off that's a great move but when you start taking offense to people not thinking the same way like it's survivor everyone's out there to play a million dollars nobody owes you jack out there so that part not necessarily a a bad moment just uh you got to understand the game a little bit better the next moment (laughs) a very very low moment i think in the show's history and I had actually really liked Brenda up until this point. I still like her overall, but this definitely dropped the needle a little bit. And and before so- before you say it, I think and you said she she went and got her teeth out of the water for number one because she was a friend and number two for removing the game. I think it was like 90 10 or 95 5 that it was as a friend. And I'll just say that before you go into go into what you're going to say i would have agreed with that if she didn't do what she did at final tribal okay we might have two different interpretations of this then where she so so don was thinking of of quitting at least in the moment in the heat of the moment she was saying she was considering quitting if she didn't get her get Mm -hmm. her teeth back and we can talk about how she answered that question terribly in the in the final tribal she should have said in the moment, I was considering quitting, but you helping me talk me off the edge. Boom. That's all you had to say. Um, but but Brenda, who knows Dawn is so self-conscious about the teeth, is just berating her to take them out, show that, like, I want them to see see how I saw you that day. Just take them out and show us. And Dawn clearly is uncomfortable doing it. And Brenda just does not let it go. And whether it's to Don's credit or not, however you want to want to view it, she does take her teeth out. But just a super uncomfortable situation yeah. to to watch play out. I I wasn't a fan the first time, not a fan the second time. Yeah, I well the I mean the irony of the whole thing is that no one watching that really cares that Don has fake teeth. So it, like it's I mean it's all in in Don's head and. Like that doesn't make it any better that Brenda made her do it. But I mean, it's not like as embarrassing a thing as I think Don believes it to be. But um, like like most um, most aesthetic things are like that. But people are self-conscious over. Yeah. Their size of their nose or an overbite or underbite or they have a little bit of acne, whatever it is. People will always feel self-conscious and it's kind of mean just to force them. No, I agree. I to, agree to like to put that full on full display. Yep. I, I agree with that. Um, I think uh, it's, it's so hard and obviously you shouldn't take it as far as, as Brenda did here, but 
with Brenda convincing Don to stay in the game, helping her out, getting digging her teeth out of the water, which I mean, that's something I, I like to think I would have tried to do it. But like, man, that is that is a personal favor to do for someone. And if I remember this right, Don kind of did Brenda dirty and didn't didn't really try to bring her with her to the end and i think that like brenda brenda was like okay well this kind of went past the game where i did this for you and like i know that like you might not want to sit there with me or you might have another plan but like if that was bigger than the game what i did for you then maybe this should be bigger than the game like for you to do this to me or for me and i can see her being very personally hurt by you know not feeling prioritized by don after she did her a big personal favor but um yeah that's i i think it was a little a little more two-sided than mm-hmm. it came across but um yeah not <laughs> the Don did not handle the question well. And Brenda really, really did not handle asking it. Well, yeah, she was definitely by all accounts still pretty salty from, from being taken out. Yeah. Um, but yeah, kind of, kind of a rough end. Um, but I don't know that Don had much of a chance anyway. I mean, Cochran yeah. just slayed that final <laughs> tribal. I mean, yep. it's it's up there. It was at the time considered one of the best. I still think it's one of the best. Yeah. Tribal, tri- final tribal performances, because I mean, there's always a bit of luck involved in ev- in anyone's game. You're a fool if you say otherwise. But the way Cochran framed it, with the with the timing being the thing, it's not necessarily that he was he was stronger or smarter or more conniving or even just luckier. Than anyone else but that he was able to time his moves um that's a really good way to kind of show the strength of your game while also not calling out people who maybe were taking it personally and saying oh no i'm just a better player than you they're saying oh no you're a great player but i just i just got the timing down and he he put that in to perfection that you know that that whole whole basis for his game yeah he i mean it wasn't, yeah, I, I wouldn't say it was a dominant effort uh, leading up to tribal. I mean, there's a lot of people that played really strongly, but he, man, he he did exactly what he needed to do at that final tribal. I'm I'm getting a little sidetracked because, um, I mean, the two the two most memorable things were just Cochran's dominance at that tribal council, and then Brenda making Don take her teeth out. <laughs> but I have another personal favorite moment that, and, and I'll just, I'm going to go on a mini rant here quick. I know we're going long, but I, um, I think that Sherry got just, it was so unfair how they treated Sherry at final tribal council. Um, yeah, it was kind of brutal. It was like, I think, I think 
of the 26 seasons that we had seen up until that point, she had played one of the most underrated games anyone had ever played. Like she made no bad moves. Um, she has set herself up in the majority pre-merge post-merge. She flipped like it was, she did everything that she needed to do too. Um, she's obviously not going to win a ton of challenges. And I think what ended up costing her was um, more of a lack of social game than anything, because a lot of the people there seem to not really connect with her personally. And um, I think it, I think it got misinterpreted as her just being the goat to bring along to the end when really like she earned her way there and just was lacking maybe one aspect of uh, a successful, like a truly successful winner worthy game. And um, I, I personally loved when Eric goes up there after getting medically evacuated and just, rips sherry for like being a horrible player and she at that point knows she's not going to win she knows how the jury is reacting to her and instead of you know trying to suck up to him and being like well like you can have your opinion but she she stood up for herself she said i didn't play the game you wanted me to play i played my own game and i played the game that i could play and um he just keeps going after her and she says, okay, Eric, well, I'm done. You can go sit down. <laughs> and, and he just like goes silent. He just doesn't know what to do with it. And so he keeps kind of pushing a little bit and she goes, no, Eric, sit down. And then he just kind of like wanders back to his seat. <laughs> and I thought it was so funny because like, she's a franchisee like a restaurant franchisee and she's like yeah i deal with kids like this all the time she's talking about shamar earlier i know how to deal with big personalities and eric is an ice cream scooper and <laughs> like you know how many times she's had this interaction with someone just like eric before and it i thought it was so satisfying to watch that no that, that's that's a really good point she got yeah absolutely railroaded at that final i don't think she deserved to win um but i she definitely did not deserve just the berating the treatment she got that even watching on the rewatch like yeah she maybe didn't play a, fla a flashy game or one that people maybe could have been super aware of but i never i never thought it would be one or should have been one that gets her just either insulted or ignored the entire time pretty much yeah, that was that was super frustrating for me to watch. Um, and because my my first time through, I I thought she was playing a really good game. Um, and the most surprising part of it was just how everyone reacted to it. Like I I was like, what did I miss here? Um, and yeah, it was obviously going and watching it a second time. You're just bracing yourself for it. You're like, man, this is this is bad. Yeah. Yep. That was that was not great. Um, anything else before we get into second chance? No, um, I, I was really worried that Eddie was going to weasel his way in and win. Um, and he, I think made it what final four, final five, somewhere in there. And, um, yeah, they, uh, it would have been interesting to see how that played out with him 
having Malcolm and Reynolds on the jury. I mean, I think he would have gotten more votes than Don and Sherry. Yeah, that would have been would have been interesting. Yeah, he got fourth. Yeah. So Eric was medevaced and then and then Eddie lost the final four immunity. Yep. So that's uh man. Yeah, I don't I don't really have anything else. Um we've gotten we've covered pretty much everything. There's yeah, there's there's a sneaky sneaky amount of uh discussion worthy things that happen in this season so yeah i think i think we find that every time we we get going yeah got our outline and then just things pop up but that's the way it goes with the show like survivor when you love it so much um my second chance pretty short list uh michael snow and sherry okay i mean half the cast was already a returnee um yeah i'll uh i'm i'm gonna have to go sherry um I've, I honestly don't know how much she would want to come back after that. So, um, yeah, that I, I would hope she would. And um, I just don't think that she has the, the fan following to really, um, you know, earn her, well, earn her way back on, I guess, for the one thing might be that it's been, it maybe has been long enough since she played this is what season 26 it's been it's 14 seven years maybe eight now um so it could be enough time away but but yeah to have it end like that i i wouldn't be surprised if she didn't really have any desire to play again but i i think someone like that is always fun to see get another crack at it okay yeah i'll i'm gonna go sherry just (laughs) just because uh man she's she's near and dear to my heart underrated um but outside of that honestly i don't need to see anyone again and then for other returnees um let's not forget anyone there's cochran brenda don malcolm and eric i guess the entire favorites tribe those kind of the big ones um brenda don i'm probably fine on malcolm and eric they're 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 a good time Cochran, like like Sherry, but for different reasons. I don't know how much he's itching to come back, but he's always he's always fun to to see play. I would take Corinne again, as long okay. as she's still the same. Just because she's gonna have a few confessionals that are just so snarky and biting that they're gonna be absolutely hysterical. That kind of like Michaela, if even if they go out early, if she if she gives you those couple moments of gold it'll be worth it to have her on the show but um no one except for maybe malcolm because he's, he's gotten the raw into the deal a couple times that i'm really itching to see come back out of the out of the favorites tribe here andrea um that's a given i, I yeah so i just wanted to put that on record but um yeah i i think um it was it was not their strongest bunch of uh favorites that they they could have picked which might go into this decision but um i think all in all it turned out pretty well so um yeah i would go of the people that have returned andrea and then uh, the people that haven't returned sherry yeah which is which is kind of funny to think about when a season ends up being number seven and there's not many people that were really pushing for to come back again but doesn't have to be 
that that way to get a good season, I guess. Um, so that'll finish us up for our seventh ranked season, which will close out this next this newest episode. Again, this is our last week of doing two seasons per episode as we're running a little longer. I think you can see why. Um, so for the final six, we'll just do one at a time. Who knows how long? There'll be 45 minutes, hour and a half. We'll see. Um, but that's kind of the, the benefit of just doing one season. Won't be constrained really by going, thinking we're going over, um, give everything the time deserves. So next season, next week, our number six season is season 40, Winners at War. Lots to talk about there. Lots to, to discuss. A lot of, a lot of, Big important moments, like we teased earlier. How much does the the winner affect the overall quality of the, sh- of the season? This may be more than most is going to be a lot. Um, and then a couple other things. Once again, um, international survivor South Africa. I'm recapping that on news from the couch. Episodes are out live in South Africa Thursday nights. Um, so depending when I can get to them, recaps will be out Thursday night, Friday, Saturday. Monday, probably I'll skip Sunday, but somewhere in there, just watch for those can, could vary a little bit. Um, and then if Jared does end up watching it, we may touch on, on that, um, a little more in depth in the podcast here, but if, if he doesn't, um, I'll still probably touch on it spoiler free for the most part, at least if not all the way through, um, as the season goes along, cause it is a really, really fun, fun series. And then, um, once again, we may have a couple weeks coming up here where we're off, just some scheduling things next week will be on the week after might be one that we're off. Um, but again, we'll, we'll make sure to keep you updated on that. And it might actually turn out really well with the assumed airing schedule for us survivor. Um, we may end up finishing our planned episodes with the season rankings, second chance casting and the brand steel with that cast right before the new season airs. So that timing should be really good. But again, We'll update you on the podcast and on the socials. So just keep in touch there. Um, but again, we'll see you all next week with Winners at War. For Jared Sundin, this is Matt Hambage. We'll see you next time for another Scoop of the Crispy. <laughs> <laughs>